Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Ollie Watkins just gets away from him, but El Ghazi's behind him. And we're El Ghazi! 3 0! Emphatic! Traore with Watkins available. Traore just passes it into the corner. Big moment for him. It's young. Here's Douglas the Wee, strong on the ball, opens up for John McGinn, plays the pass towards Watkins, 1-0 Villa! Villa's a big clap, mate. Gather round fellow villains and welcome to another episode of Gather Round the Lamp, brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com in association with Manscaped. We're recording a mere 24 hours after our shocking defeat to Wolves, so hopefully we've all calmed down sufficiently to be vaguely coherent. I'm Andy, and today I'm joined by Craig and Dan. Uh, uh, yeah. Hi, everyone. This is Craig. Um, we are recording just 24 short hours after the match. I don't feel any better, and my performance today may reflect this. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello, gents. It's Dan here. Yeah, like Craig, I'm, I'm I'm feeling angry ahead of today's pod, and and I put my back out today too. So if you hear any winces of pain, it's either my back or me remembering the the match from Saturday night. Yeah, I will say that you you guys were fortunate to be at a safe-ish distance to what was actually <laughs> happening. Um, it wasn't uh, it wasn't pleasant, but we must start. We'll we'll go for it fairly chronologically as the game sort of happened, and you know Villa Villa did welcome Wolves to Villa Park. Um, this weekend uh, with Dean Smith making two changes to the team which had lost to Tottenham uh, before the international break. Emi Buendia and Axel Twanzebe came in to replace Jacob Ramsey and Courtney Hawes respectively. Whilst amazingly Douglas Luiz and Emi Martinez both made a starting position despite being in action for their countries in South America only 36 hours or something before the, the match kicked off. Whilst it appeared um, to be Smith's trusted 3-5-2 formation, it also appeared at times that it was more of a sort of 4-4-2 or 4-4-1-1 with Concer shifted across to, to right back and, and Matty Cash pushed, pushed right on into, into right midfield. And any thoughts on this team selection and the setup for this one? Um, I, I had advocated for, for a 4-3-3 return to the 4-3-3, as you had, Andy, with your feelings on the 3-5 poo being made clear. Um, but with Leon Bailey still being out and Traore uh, picking up uh, an injury, um, I think I was was fine with the, the setup. And I think it did work again for Villa. It wasn't the prettiest, but it did work again for the first 80 minutes. I don't think Wolves had any kind of meaningful attack other than Adama Troyore's Hollywood run, which Adama can do. And then he did, uh, he finished it off in true Adama style by firing a weak effort into the legs of the goalkeeper. Um, and I think they had another shot on goal, Wolves that is, thanks to a Twanzebi brain fart from a defensive free kick. More on Twanzebi later, listeners. Um, I was disappointed to see Courtney Horse dropped. I think he was excellent against Chelsea in the cup. He was excellent at Man United. And um, he wasn't our worst player at Spurs. I did dig him out slightly because I think maybe he could have fouled Son. But, you know, that was me being hypercritical. Um, but I was delighted to see Emi Buendirin from the start. I thought that was a really bold move from Smith. 
Um, so that was really pleasing. And I think Buendia did did well and, and had some really nice touches. Um, we all knew that Martinez would probably start, but I was surprised to see Douglas starting. But I think both of them played really well, uh, particularly Luis. We didn't know how much we loved him until he was gone. Um, so I think Villa overall, for the first 80 minutes, they were solid, if not unspectacular. And then when we're 2-0 up, I was thinking happy days. And um, But unfortunately, the day ended anything but happily. I'm glad Craig mentioned Axel there because in capital letters in my notes I've got don't talk about Axel, Craig will cover it so it's, it's good to know <laughs> that's coming <laughs> but yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with Craig I'm like uh, starting 11 was fine for me we've seen Wolves struggle against wingbacks before so it made sense to stick with the 3-5 poo and, and I like seeing Buendia back in I think he was the high note in that first half the one thing I will say, though, is the international break has screwed us again. I mean, two of our most important players getting home, I don't know, 36 hours before the game, if that. I mean, that's a long journey. And if I'm jet lagged, I'm barely getting out of bed, let alone going to play top level football. So, I mean, they've done us again, the international gods, but hopefully that's the last time for, for the rest of the season. But yeah, Emmy Buendia at high point for sure. Yeah, I was thinking, because um, obviously from my position behind the goal, um, it did look more like a back four to me. Um, I know the the team selection suggested otherwise, but Konsa was certainly more in the right back position. Twanzabi and Mings um, playing more as a as a um, you know central two really, um, and Matt Cash was was pushed on for most of the um, most of the game really pushed on, and I wondered whether that was a, a specific kind of plan to kind of double up on on Traore in case he kind of got into any kind of rhythm but he he didn't really um so I'm, I'm surprised they kind of stuck with it but perhaps you know that the, the fact that um they were like cash and Konza were both covering down that side sort of helped really um but yeah like you I was I was, ha- I was happy to see Wendir in as much as it's it's a bit of a shame for Ramsey um but you know I mean it was a it was quite a cagey first half really and um, Wolves. I mean, Wolves were were did seem. I don't know what you guys thought, but Wolves did seem quite quite happy to keep for Villa to keep possession. Um, and we only really kind of created two chances of note um, that I can remember anyway. Uh, I think Buendia got away, sort of got and, and pulled a shot wide early on, and then there was a nice little move um, which ended with Danny Ings sort of working the goalkeeper. Um, which I think he should he probably should have put away, but it was a, it was a good save. Um, it appeared that that Buendia was kind of operating in the in that number ten role to to really good effect at times um, with Ings and Watkins kind of interchanging between kind of central central striker and, and left the left midfield left left wing side. Um, how did you assess the the, the the contribution of these three overall? Because they they have all come in for a fair bit of criticism so far this season. Yeah, I think for me, the the first half especially, and that Ings chance you mentioned, is probably a sign of what Dino wants this 3-5-2 to be. I mean, it's it's kind of high-pressing stuff. It's turning over the ball in the opposition's half and creating chances out of it. And a little bit like, like, like Liverpool do, maybe, or probably a better example at the weekend, Leicester, who beat United with a similar 3-5-2 with a creative lad in Madison behind two hard-working strikers. And I think, you know... When it works, it works. It's really good. But the problem is you need your players to be on form in order for that to work. And 
I'd say out of Ings, Buendia and Watkins, none of them are on form at the moment. Ings has got the goals, but not much else. Watkins looks bereft of, of any kind of confidence or, or ability at the moment, and Buendia is nowhere near up to speed. So I think that's the shape I'd like to see from those three, but I think they're a long way from making it work. And and after a performance like that, it's the kind of one that calls for drastic changes. And, and I'm throwing my hat into the ring now for the Ollie dropped kind of camp because it's the kind of performance that should wind you up on the bench. And I think, you know, that's the problem we're seeing right now. We've got the players. The players aren't performing. So it, it's time to get tough on a few of them. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that Buendia, um, you know, Buendia isn't where he needs to be probably fitness wise, but certainly he's, he's got flashes of quality we saw with the wonderful through ball that you alluded to to, to Danny Ings like that is Buendia that is the kind of position we need to get into I think he's still getting caught on the ball a little bit but I think that that will come and um but Watkins is really the the red flag I think when Watkins came back against Chelsea I think we I was at least waxing lyrical about his performance because he looked strong he looked sharp he was everything we wanted him to be, except he, he missed a couple of sitters and obviously that wasn't good. But as you've just said there, we can all see now Watkins is well, well, well out of sorts. And that's something that everyone can see. And I think that Dean Smith does have his favourites and I don't think he can allow his personal love for Watkins. You know, I think people around the training ground apparently allegedly call Watkins uh, Dean Smith's son. And I think Watkins, a bit like Twanzebi, who I am going to talk about later, they're not justifying their position in the team right now. And Dean has sometimes been a little bit stubborn to change things. Um, we've seen Dino persevere when players are out of form. Douglas Louise, he's done it with. He's done it with McGinn last year when McGinn wasn't pulling up trees. And now he seems to be doing it with Watkins. And Watkins being allegedly the best presser in the league is not a good enough excuse anymore to keep him in the team because his pressing can't be that effective quite frankly if we've conceded five goals in the last two games with him on the pitch and it was also a piss poor clearance from him or attempted clearance which contributed I think to uh, one of Wolves's goals which was highlighted by the team on match of the day I don't know what we we've 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 suggested and we're speculating here and I'll, I'll be clear I'm speculating this isn't me trying to state facts we've speculated maybe it's to do with the um, the, the kid, the, the baby on the way, um, that, that Watkins isn't quite right. You know, that, that can, that could be it. But I'm thinking, is it, is it Ings? Has, has Watkins had his ego dented or bruised because Villa have gone and signed this England international striker and maybe Ollie Watkins isn't the main man anymore? I don't know what it is. Again, I'm speculating, but when things are going so badly wrong, you do look for reasons. So I don't know why it is, but maybe you know why, Andy. What has happened to Ollie Watkins? Because he's not, he's not, he doesn't even look competent at the moment. I think, I think it is partly to do with, with being asked to play in the front two now. I mean, when, <clears throat> when we signed Danny Ings, we came on here and, and I can remember saying, I just think the two of them could be electric together. And they could score a hat full of goals and like um, a toaster in a bath. <laughs> it feels a bit like that, doesn't it? Um, I meant like you know, positively good, electric, good, rather good than destructively electric. electric. But um, yeah, I think I think that, uh, you know this is this is taking some time to to come to fruition. Now, for me, you see, I think if you're going to play two strikers, you've got to go all in. Just go all in. 
play two strikers and play, you know, a four-four-two with wide players. You know, the the Leicester model, the Burnley model, whatever whatever you like to call it. You know, a um, couple of holding midfielders and 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 play to your two strikers, play to their strengths. If you're not going to do that, if you're going to just leave them floundering up front with no service, then then what's the point of them being there? You might as well, you know, just play one and an extra sort of creative player in behind or an extra midfielder, just block the whole thing up completely. I just... There are so many things at the moment which aren't making sense. And, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to... Um, We'll perhaps come on to that more later, but I think in terms of Watkins, I think it's probably a, a combination of factors. Really, you know, he had a really good season last season. Maybe it's the um, the issue with crowds being back. Maybe it's you know not, not everyone always responds well well to that that kind of thing. And maybe it is that he's just finding it hard, having known his his job last season. His job was very very clear what what his role in the side was last season. And that's that's been thrown into some doubt, maybe, by the changes in the in the formation and the personnel. Um, you know, it doesn't always work that if you sign more goal scorers, you score more goals, and and um, that's what we're finding out. And that's unfortunately what what Dean Smith's going to find out. And I think um, it is time to choose one of them. I don't think it's as clear cut as as, as sitting Watkins down. I think I think actually they're both up for the chop. Um, potentially um over the next few weeks so they one or both of them need to really uh pull the finger out in in my opinion i don't know what you think has watkins ever played in a partnership i was i was kind of looking back he, he played on the wing for brentford right for a while and then then played up top i'm not sure he's ever played in a traditional partnership and it's a completely different skill right to play it's almost a an outdated skill we're, we're seeing a bit of a return to it i know chelsea played it up top at the moment brentford do uh leicester did at the weekend but it, it, it's few and far between these days to see a striker play with a partner and I, I just wonder if ollie's not used to it it's it's just one of those things that if you've never done in your career are you not used to it or maybe am i underselling you know he's a professional footballer he should be able to to learn how to partner up with someone i mm, well i would say that i think that if you're going to play two strikers together, I think that we did see um, little, <laughs> to get my Steve Bruce quote in um, <laughs> for this week, because he's quite topical. We did see we did see green shoots in the moments where Watkins played up front with Keenan Davis at stages last season. And I think that I think that Ings and Watkins are the player that play with a Keenan Davis or a Wesley. I think they are both the, the they are they are they're both trying to do the same things so i think if they i think they both could play in a two but i think they need to play with someone else who does different stuff so what's happening is what seems to be happening is villa are pumping the ball long down the field uh, you were there uh, yesterday andy so you can probably speak to this better than i can on the television uh villa almost expect to lose the first ball um because Watkins and Ings are not particularly good in the air, not not bad in the air. Obviously, Ings scored a nice head uh, ball with his head, but they're not a big Keenan Davis type or a big Wesley. They're going to bring it down on a chest. They're going to hold off the defender, hold up the ball while your team pushes up. It seems to be Tyrone Mings normally aiming a ball for the corner flag, or Matt Flat, Matt Cash aiming a ball for the corner flag, and then the team presses them. We're going to box them in and try and force a mistake and win the ball back high up the pitch. 
Whereas if you've got a Keenan Davis or a Wesley, you don't need to necessarily cede possession because certainly Keenan Davis and, and Wesley, to be fair to him, um, one thing Keenan Davis is excellent at, even if he, you know, despite his obvious limitations in other areas, is holding the ball up, bringing it down, bringing it under control, getting it under a spell, and then passing it off to a teammate while the other while the team can, can, can come and join him. So I think probably they can play in a two, but clearly at this point, they can't play in this two. And we are not able to sustain the trial anymore as a football club because we've lost the two last two games, games we didn't need to lose, which is annoying. And you feel as though when you were winning, if you're beating Newcastle and you're beating Everton and you're beating Man United, you can indulge it. You can be like, yeah, you know what? It's not quite working, but we can give it some more time. When you're losing five goals in the fashion we've lost the last five goals to Wolves and Tottenham and you're losing football matches, you cannot, for me, indulge the experiment any longer. So one of them needs to sit out or the, form- or the formation has to change. Yeah, I think I think that's it. I mean, <clears throat> I, I I do feel somewhat alarmed at times about the, the, the amount of times we do we do go long as well. Although, it, it, you know, it worked for the, for the first goal that we'll talk about in a minute. Um, there was one uh, little little passage of play in the second half where where Watkins seemed to have the ball for about two minutes, and um, he was you know jinking round trying to find an opening in the penalty area. And I don't know whether there was just not very much movement around him, or whether he was just boxed in a little bit, or if he was if he was just ignoring that and and he was he was he was just trying to score. Himself, I think you're being very, very generous to Ollie Watkins. I know the passage <laughs> of play you're talking about, and I think he was a headless chicken. I think he wanted to shoot, couldn't shoot, but then kept trying to shoot. And I think there were teammates in more space. And then eventually, because he kept the ball for so long, all of the spaces closed off, all the shooting opportunities closed off, all the passing lanes closed off, and he ended up just losing or ceding possession. Um, even the first, even begins goal, which will, I'm, and I'm jumping ahead of the, the game here, sorry. You know, he's taken a, what was basically a, he's presented with a great option, opportunity to get the ball and he's hit a shot. And again, he did it a few weeks ago. He, he didn't believe he was going to score from there. You can tell by his body language, he's hit a shot, it's bounced off the defender, begins volleyed it in. He's just not being thoughtful. He's not being considered. And that shows me that he's not, confident he doesn't have the self-belief he's not showing any kind of composure he's just thrashing at things and lashing at things and hoping for the best and that's not what we need right now we need we need our Ollie Watkins back from last season I think you both touched on something there that's that's kind of interesting separately about Villa going longer this year we went long quite a lot last year but it felt like there was purpose to it feels like we're deliberately trying to give the ball away this year just so that we can press teams and try and create a turnover and there was a great thread on Twitter by Alex Berwick about this it was kind of talking about us trying to replicate Liverpool to a degree in the counter press and this idea that the counter press is the best playmaker and it's almost like we don't trust our creative players and we're only trying to create goals by forcing the opposition into a mistake and I know that's boiling it down to way too much simplicity but we do seem to be just pumping balls into the channels far too often and then chasing after them even that that Ings chance we mentioned earlier on which was it felt like we we pressed and counter pressed two or three times gave the ball away then won it back again before we created it and it seems like we can only create chances through chaos at the moment rather than than through order 
Yeah, I think it does feel like that. Um, it's generally I'm finding at the moment where I'm watching Villa, um, I'm struggling to, to to figure out exactly what the game plan is, and it's maybe I'm looking for one certain thing that that I believe Dean Smith teams are all about, but it's 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 an entirely different animal at the minute. Um, which you know, I guess we'll we'll come on to again um, in a bit. But I, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with with what what you both said there. Um, the second half though could could scarcely have started better. Um, there was some excellent work um, in the channel by by McGinn, which um, which saw him clip a, a perfect ball in uh, for Ings to arrive and, and head home powerfully. Villa continued to apply pressure with with Wolves looking somewhat desperate at times, um, giving the ball away all over the place. Um, then on on sixty eight minutes, the ball broke to McGinn after Watkins had had that shot, um, which had been blocked and found the uh, found the bottom corner from from about twenty yards um, with the help of a um, a generous deflection. I'd say at this point we were counting our points as well. You know we looked well on top. And Wolves, you know, really couldn't hold on to the ball. Um, but just a, a word for John McGinn um, before we get on to the uh, the negative stuff. Um, you know, he's probably he was probably our best player yesterday. I, I certainly thought he was, um, and he appears to be back back to somewhere near his best this season. We've John McGinn, <laughs> super John McGinn. I just don't. All right, um, yeah, yeah. You know what? Um, John McGinn was great yesterday for 80 minutes. Um, but, you know, we saw the best of McGinn and we saw the worst of McGinn, I think, at certain points in the game. I think overall he was wonderful. A lovely goal, great assist. His backside was back and it's bouncing people <laughs> around. It's uh, it's a, a thing of beauty, the the the, the, the peachy Scottish uh, uh, rump there with his iron boo. Iron boo? Iron, <laughs> iron boo. Let, let's call it an iron booty. There we are. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, he's you know, he's doing his thing. Um, but amongst the performance by McGinn yesterday, there were still some of his sloppy passes and, and cheap giveaways in dangerous areas. There were a couple of times where he tried to dribble in front of the, his own back four and came up short. And then there's one time where he did it successfully, broke through and created an attack, which was wonderful. So what McGinn needs to do now is is use yesterday as a benchmark. What he needs to do now is work on his consistency. Credit where it's due, he was fantastic. But he was also one of the worst players on the pitch against Tottenham. And then he's Villa's best player yesterday against Wolves. What makes top players top players is that they're able to maintain those levels match in and match out season after season. If McGinn wants to be a top player, he can't do it once every five games, once every 10 games. He needs to do that week in and week out. And then he will become the real deal. And I've no doubt that he can do that, but consistency is key. And right now, I'm sorry to say, the consistency is not where it needs to be for John McGinn. Yeah, Craig took the words right out of my mouth there. Not not the iron booty thing. That definitely wasn't running through my head. But uh, the idea of consistency, I'm like... Consistency is key in this league. You're a top player if you can turn it on every week, or even if you can't turn it on every week, if you can deliver a six or a seven out of ten regularly, 
And McGinn just can't do that at the moment. He's a proper Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, he got a shoe-in on this pod a couple of weeks ago for his performance against Tottenham, and rightfully so. And then this week he's back in it again. And I don't know, it's not just the fact that we want consistency from him. He's a more senior member of the team now. Kind of, He's one of the elder statesmen there. He's one of the leading figures. we got a lot of young players around him. And whilst I love, the, love his antics off the pitch, I love his character, he's really got to lead by example. And that comes from turning in regularly consistent high-level performances and I think we now expect that from him alongside the odd screamer alongside his backside doing all the work we need to see sixes and sevens or more every week out of John McGinn if he's going to become a top level player I mean any lad it seems can come up to the Premier League and, and have a worldy one week and a disaster next week if, if we're going to succeed in this league and if if John McGinn's going to be a part of that he needs to be regularly performing at those top levels a, a bit more Wolves a little bit less Spurs well, thanks. Um, any uh, buzz that I had left has well and truly been harshed by you two there. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping for a bit of a begin loving with that question. But uh, no, I, I mean, I just thought, I thought he was excellent yesterday um, as an individual player. Um, clearly, there are, there are issues, aren't there, in the team? And um, maybe maybe that, that, that's part of the problem with the inconsistency. But like you say, you are right. You know, he... he, you know, he, he he isn't the the most consistent player, and when you think back to the season in the championship, he was he was definitely one of the most consistent players um, in the team, um, and that's perhaps what we're missing at the moment. But I feel he's getting there. This feels like more of the the, the John McGinn of old that we're seeing, and um, we talk about green, green shoots. Um, I think they're there for for John McGinn and. I really hope so because he's such a shining light. Yeah, everybody loves him. Everybody loves him. He's he's such like of all the chants that went round the ground yesterday. Bearing in mind, people were quite happy for a lot of the game. Oh yeah. Um, the John McGinn chant was by far the loudest um, chant we had yesterday, and uh, he's uh, you know he's such a yeah. he's a hero. Yeah, he's a hero. Everyone loves him. I love him. It, you don't think I love him because I moan about his past completion, but I do love him. I want him to succeed. Um, I want him to be more consistent. I love John. There's nothing not to like about the guy. I just want to get anytime you see his little funny shaped head, you just want to <laughs> smile at him and you want to give him like, I want to give him a hug and be like, yeah, John, let me buy you a, let me buy you a beer. Or maybe you buy me a beer. You probably have a little bit more money than I do, but you know, whoever buys the beer, I'd love to have a beer with him and have a chat with him. He seems like a genuine guy. He is a lovable, lovable character. I just, you know, any consistency, any any criticism I, I have for him comes from a place of love, unlike the criticism I'm about to give about Twanzebi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we'll get on to it. We, we can't hold it off any longer. Um, disaster struck um, after such a, such a positive first part of the game. Um, a flurry of substitutions from both sides, really, uh, not least uh, Pondens and Jimenez coming on for Wolves. Um, and there was the three substitutions for Villa, Nakamba for, for Louise. Um, then uh, Ramsey came on for Buendia. And later on, Ashley Young replaced um, Matty Cash. But it, whatever happened prompted a, an almighty Villa collapse Um was goals from from Saiz, Cody, and Neves. Although I'm not giving that to Neves. No, never in a month of Sundays is that a Neves goal. Um, after the 80 minute mark, uh, stole the points for Wolves. 
It's just a simple question. What went wrong? <laughs> well, it's a it's a it's a simple question, but it's going to be a long answer. Um, the first thing I would actually like to do is I'd like to congratulate Wolves. Um, I don't see Wolves as particularly being our rivals or I don't really have any particular animosity towards Wolves. Um, I know I'm supposed to as a Villa fan, um, but they, um, you know, they, they, they were all hands to the pump and they, and they, they won the game. So to me, it was the Sheffield United game um, from a couple of years ago in the championship in reverse is what it was. You know, Villa did that same thing to Sheffield United. We got a goal back. Um, although I think we were, um, were we three nil down or two nil down? We were three nil down. Yeah, yeah. we got we got a goal, so that was even more impressive. But we 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 were nowhere in that game, and Wolves were okay. It was the game was 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 going to be a, a win for Villa, and then like Sheffield United did, for some reason there was an inexplicable kind of collective brain melt, and we became a bunch of absolute bottle jobs. There was no leaders on that field. John McGinn, that's why I said he played well for 80 minutes. He's the vice captain. He wasn't leading. He wasn't helping anything. Mings, our captain, who I support unconditionally, he wasn't leading. He wasn't helping helping anything. Twanzebi in the middle was an absolute liability. And uh, we conceded, as I say, three of the absolute worst goals you, you, you will ever see. Like they, we didn't concede goals like that in the playground in primary school. Like it was ridiculous. It was like a pinball... Um, there's, there's a, there's a, there's an account on Twitter called bad nineties football. Um, I recommend it's worth a follow. It was like that. It was some of the worst stuff you'll see. And it's, and Dino described it as incomprehensible and it is incomprehensible. The professional footballers could melt away that badly for the final 10 minutes. So I'm not going to excuse them, the players, I'm not going to blame Smith particularly for his subs. I think lots of people have been banging on about the subs, but what's he supposed to do? Louise, as Daniel said earlier, we've been screwed over by the, the the schedule. Louise played as long as he could. He had to go off. Cash has had to go off with an injury. And Wendia has asked to come off, uh, Dean Smith says. So again, not a lot that Dean Smith can do there when he's got essentially three injuries or three players unable to continue for different reasons. It's just... It's it's not even that they were done outdone by some wolves wizardry. Like if Adama went on a Hollywood run and put one in the bottom corner and Neves had curled a free kick from 35 yards into the top corner and, and Martinez is, is stretching and can't get there, you're like, you know what? It's just wolves were just too good and we have to take our licks. This was a capitulation. This was embarrassing. And the players need to hang their heads in shame. It's absolutely unacceptable. Yeah, and I was expecting a, a rougher ride there from Craig for some of those players, and they'd, they'd have deserved it, to be honest with you. Because I'm not finished. Yet, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> he's he's stopped for air. But no, I, I, I'm the same. I'm kind of. It's one of those defeats that that hurts more because it was self-inflicted. To be two goals up and throw away the point, it, it, the points is disgusting. To lose that match in the style we did is disgusting, and it's. I don't know, we could talk about subs, we could talk about tactics, but there's a couple of things that have stuck in my mind. One Andy touched on earlier, and that's the crowd. I don't think it's a surprise that this Villa team, who are young, pretty raw, pretty inexperienced, 
played some of their best football last year when there you know no crowds in the stadiums so there was no pressure on them they could hear Dino's instructions clearly and I think we've looked rattled at times and a couple of those players you know Matt Target in particular I think Ramsey at times have looked rattled when there's a crowd even a home crowd kind of that's there you you feel the change in in momentum the change in mood in the ground when you're there and I think those players haven't reacted well to that the other thing which which we all know is coming, and I keep wanting to not mention him, but a player sat on the bench at the Etihad on the weekend maybe speaks to a problem we have as well. When you're 2-0 up, you hold on to the ball. You just keep it ticking over. You win free kicks. You frustrate the opposition. We've replaced Grealish's attacking output, but we haven't replaced how he used to come deep for us and pick up the ball from the centre-backs buy a cheap foul, frustrate the opposition, grind out the result. And I think what we saw on the weekend was no composure. No Villa player just wanted to keep it ticking over, keep the ball going. 2-0 up with 80 minutes to go, just, you know, gamesmanship. Take your time, keep the ball pinging around the three centre-backs and the goalkeeper, whatever it takes. And I think that what we're seeing is is why the club possibly wanted someone like a Ward-Prowse over the summer, a player who, who in a deep position has the composure to hold on to the ball and keep it moving. And it's why I think Morgan Sanson could be key to this team for the rest of the season, because we need someone who who's comfortable enough to ask for the ball in those tricky situations, hold on to it, and has, has the grown-up head to, to do it. And that's that's the only criticism I can make of the substitutions. Like Craig, all of them had their reasons. But bringing on young Jacobs Ramsey in a game where I think it needed a calmer, older head, and, and he's not the player to keep it t- ticking over. He's not a deep-line playmaker like that. I mean, that's the only one I could criticise. He was the wrong player to bring on in that scenario. But, yeah, Andy, you mentioned earlier the crowd, and I, I just what was the mood like as the goals went in? Could you feel the momentum turning? Or? It, was just, it was just shock, really, because obviously we, we were expecting the, to, to, to go on and get the three points. And I think, you know, I mean, look, I'm, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with the the substitution, the the guys that went off. Obviously, if players need to come off, they need to come off. There's nothing you can do about that. But I've got a thing about um, the the messages that that are sent by substitutions, and it's a big thing, really. I think I think when you um, when you make a defensive substitution, whatever the instructions are, and whatever the the the, the orders come in either from from before the game or, or during the game about what what the manager wants players look at those substitutions and take their cues from substitutions and I think if you've if you you know whatever we say about um Nakamba for Douglas Louise being like for like it's not like for like they're playing the same position but they're not similar players they don't play in the same way at all you know and I think when you make that substitution, what that says to the team is, we're going to sit in now. This this is defensive defending time now. The problem is that I think the messages are mixed because that isn't that is never the message that Dean Smith really says to the, the players through the media. He's always talking about going on and getting goals two, three, and four. You know, killing the game that way, not. Not not sitting in and def- and defending, and the confusion for me yesterday came from, I think the team just not knowing what they were supposed to do in that situation. They did they they're not experienced enough to know instinctively. Right, we're two nil up. Let's hold let's hold off here, and they're not, you know, they they're not really astute enough, or maybe confident enough to go. No, we'll keep going. Let's go and get the third goal. You know, even though 
Wolves were making those changes, and that Wolves were getting into in you know in they were they were picking up the pace a little bit and getting into pockets of space, and they were sort of starting to to put a bit more pressure on. But Villa just don't have that. It was so it was too in between. There was no clear direction, and this is where this maybe sort of speaks to what Craig was saying about the leaders, the leaders in the team. Mings's head had gone. Mm-hmm. There were there, there was there was um, obviously the booking, which clearly annoyed him uh, for time wasting and then um, there were two occasions where a ball dropped and he just tried to to hoik it away and neither yeah. time it went anywhere near you know it was it was just it, like playground stuff it was the sort of thing it you was, know he just swung a leg at it and you sort of think it was heads gone this yeah. isn't this isn't the captain of a team that's two nil up or whatever we were at the time at least one nil up um, who's trying to you know see a game out and win three points. This is just chaotic, you know, and that to me, that transmitted to the, the rest of the team and the substitutions, they, they were textbook substitutions. I can't argue with that, but are we, are we, are we, are, is this how we're managing now? Is it textbook now? Is it, is it Tony Pulis time at Villa? You know, I'm sorry, but I, well, I can't, I, th- I can't, I can't accept that from Dean Smith. He's got a brain. He's got a real footballing brain, and he's making textbook substitutions when you two nil up in a in a local derby. I'm not having it. I think McGinn. I think. I think. I think it's tricky. But McGinn and Mings in particular, Villa did need a leader in that last ten minutes. Neither of them stepped up. Ings, really experienced international player, he didn't step up. Him and you know he can drop back he could drop deep and 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 see what's going on and say all right lads this is what we're going to do and we needed some dark arts like Grealish is good at as you were mentioning Dan if you're if you, the momentum's swinging you delay and not as obviously like Mings did Mings was trying to do it but did it wrong and got booked you do employ the dark arts you, arts, you invite a foul, you stay down, you invite the physio on, you get the magic sponge. Meanwhile, your teammates, they can gather around, have a chat, have a conference, get some fluids on board, breathe. And meanwhile, you've got two minutes on the clock. The opposition are getting annoyed. You keep hold of the freaking football, which is a big thing of mine. You remain calm. You deny your opponent the ball. You hit the long balls into the channel. You, you play next to the corner flag. If your opponent gets the ball in deep areas, you make a little niggly foul, like, you know, the Fernandinho foul, as I call it. You interrupt the attack. Uh, you, you you take a booking here or there. You do whatever you do when the momentum is swinging. Even when they just get the one goal back, you interrupt their rhythm and you kill the, the football game. What you don't do is what Villa did. And I don't want to name names, in the, but I kind of do want to name names. <laughs> you know, they, they bottled it. Watkins bottled it with his clearances. Ings disappeared. He's supposed to be a, 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 a key player. Twanzebi. Oh, Twanzebi. Uh, you know. <sighs> All right. Let's talk about Twanzebi. <laughs> I've been holding on. So Twanzebi, we all know. And if you're, if you're listening to this podcast in the first time, <laughs> let me just tell you quickly, I hate Axel Twanzebi signing on loan for Aston Villa. I think he was a liability yesterday. I think he was a quivering wreck in the middle of the defense, his attempted clearance for the second goal. And I, I'm, I think he's got the wrong mentality. And I alluded to this in the beginning when we signed him. And I questioned, why is this guy, Twanzebi, signing a new year, one year deal at Man United a club that doesn't want him. I can understand why Man United want to sign the deal because it protects the asset for them and protects the transfer fee. 
but I didn't go all in on him because I did say, I think I might be overreacting about this. But yesterday proved to me that this is a player who's not serious. He's 24 next month. He's never played more than 30 league games in his career. Why? Because he's comfortable. He's sitting in a comfort zone. He still want to be loaned out to Aston Villa. He's let the likes of Konza, Ben White, Joe Gomez, Ben Godfrey overtake him when he was, he was the hot stuff. Twanzebi has never backed himself. He's never backed himself to go and play somewhere and leave the Man United nest. Tammy Abraham just backed himself and left Chelsea. He took a risk. He's gone to uh, uh, Roma. He's, he's got recalled to the England squad. Lukaku, Kevin, Lukaku, Lukaku, <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne, Mo Salah, they did it before at Chelsea. They, they weren't trusted. They left and they turned into superstars. Tomori, another defender who's now ahead of Twanzebi, backed himself. He went to Milan to play football and now he's in the England squad because he knew Chelsea didn't fancy him. Axel knows Man United don't fancy him, but he doesn't back himself. He signed a new deal and he's taken a coward's way out, which is a loan to Aston Villa. It's not the kind of mentality that I like. I've been moaning about it and, 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 and kind of dancing around the edges, but this is why. A guy like that isn't trustworthy in a situation like that. He's not supposed to be a leader of the team, but I tell you what, I'd rather have Courtney Horse. I would rather have... Uh, 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 Bjorn Engels. I would have rather had Carl Tyler in the middle of that defense over <laughs> Axel Twanzebi yesterday. The fact of the matter is Axel's performances haven't even been that good to justify his inclusion over Courtney Horse. I do think that Axel is a talented player, although it doesn't sound like I, I do, but I don't want a lone player stinking up fast and bill. It's the same with Ross Barkley last year. That pissed me off. This is pissing me off. If you're not going to be committed, if you're not going to give it your all, if you're going to if you're going to cower when we need you in the last ten minutes, get out. Play Courtney Horse. I tell you what, if Courtney Horse was in there for the last ten minutes, no chance we can see three goals like that. No chance. I agree entirely with Craig. And by the way, Dino, if you want this video to play in the dressing room to fire Axel up next week, then we'll we'll give you a copy. But. <laughs> And the other thing about Twanzebi that blows my mind is our biggest strength last year was a settled back four who all knew where they were. We don't concede those goals last year. We 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 rode out clean sheets like like they were going out of fashion last year. We I, I never felt in doubt when we were leading a game with ten minutes to go. And yet by signing one player, we seem to have completely done away with our biggest strength from the season before. And I think it's no surprise that both Mings and Konza have looked worse this year because they're used to playing together, not stuck either side of someone they don't know. And for, for all of Axel's qualities, and, and he has some, I, I think we've undone our biggest strength. And yeah, I, I think we don't concede those goals last year. That's not all on Twanzebi, that's on the manager too. But, but he has a big part to play for it, either directly for his performance or indirectly because we're trying to squeeze him in the team sheet. Yeah, I do wonder about, about these loan deals and whether... We had this this thing with Ross Barkley last year, didn't we? Where you know, until later on when it became clear that he he just wasn't wasn't up to it, he was playing every week whether he deserved to or not. And you you do wonder whether there are agreements in place, you know, that these lone players have to play. I mean, you know, maybe we should we should insist on these kind of things when we're sending out. Kids out like Louis Barry, who's who's out in the cold at, at Ipswich at the moment, you know. But it does feel a little bit. And I was I was thinking yesterday, if you know, if if it is kind of if it was more of a back four, and Conser was playing right back, why is it why is it Esri Conser that's moved to right back? 
mm-hmm. you know, most people would say he's been our best defender for the last two years. So, so why is it him that's, that moves to, to right back? You know, surely you, surely that's a position for, for someone who isn't so important to the, the, the central defensive partnership. I just the same with Target to left, but left wing back though. Like Target came alive last year because he had a, a set role that played to his strengths. Suddenly, we're asking him to get forwards like some kind of you know English Cafu, but on the other foot, he's, he's not that player. He's good going forwards, but he's a solid left back. And it seems like Dino is, is throwing things up in the air and, and breaking them for no reason whatsoever in in terms of taking players out their best positions. But I'm with you, Andy. On on concert, it's mind boggling. We've We've taken our best offensive performer and shoved him out of position. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. And I think that um, I think that the idea that you would that you would compromise the relationship and the chemistry that you have um, when Halls came in uh, for Konza or Mings last she- season, Villa very rarely missed a beat. I think apart from the Crystal Palace game when we lost at home, was it away? Or it was away? away. We lost away. And um, I think uh, Hawes had been out for a little while and we really, really missed Mings that day and Hawes was a bit ropey. But that is probably the only time you could label Hawes as having a, a bit of a horror show for Villa in the Premier League. <laughs> he did certainly have <laughs> a couple in the Championship. But um, I digress. Those are our players. This is what I've been saying from the beginning. Konza, Mings, Hawes, Aston Villa players. We need to look after our players. I don't have any ill will towards Chuanzebi as a person. He seems like a lovely guy. He's just not our player. I don't want him playing ahead of our, our I don't want him playing ahead of our, uh, our Courtney horse anymore because Courtney deserves to be in the team. And better yet, maybe we can go back and get Andy's wish against Arsenal, which we'll talk about uh, back to a back four. But there also needs to be a word in this capitulation for Ramsey. If ever there is a brainless foul to give away in the last kick of the game, Adama literally slows down and is looking over his shoulder waiting for someone to give him a kick. And Ramsey says, no problem, Adama, let me give you a kick. Down he goes, free kick. Adama was out of steam. He's going nowhere. You know, he's not beating he's not beating anyone from that position. Villa are set up well defensively. You've got Martinez, one of the best goalkeepers in world football. He's begging for a set piece. He's yearning for a set piece. And Ramsey, naive, he's like a he's like a clucking hen coming along <laughs> and just pecks him. And yes, he's a young player, but Ramsey has 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 done this before. I remember last year where we were one one with uh, Liverpool, and Trent scored with the last kick of the game, and it was Ramsey, if you remember, that did a really lackadaisical, didn't bother to close it down. Thought, oh well, didn't matter, and and Trent bangs one into the corner. Villa lose two one. So, um, not going to be too hard on Ramsey because he is a young a young player, but that that needs to stop now. You're playing big boys football in the Premier League. You can't be that naive. And that also comes down to, to, to you know, Axel was right there. Axel, give him a shout. Mings, give him a shout. Ramsey, Ramsey kid, JJ, no foul, no foul, no foul. Someone tell him, one of the leaders tell him, help him out. Because that again, as soon as they got the free kick, you kind of knew it was going in, right? Mm-hmm. I did. I was like, well, free kick, last kick in the game. Of course this is going in. 
Yeah, Ugh. I didn't expect it to go in quite like it did. Um, but uh, that was another. I mean, that that kind of summed it up, didn't it? Really, off off target's arse into the um, into the bottom corner, you know. And you know that's um, and not so agree. iron booty. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, I agree. I agree with Ramsey. I, I think you know this is another case, though. You know, you know, n- not many managers will in that kind of situation bring on a young player for someone who's so experienced and okay. I didn't I didn't know Buendia had asked to go off. Um I was quite disappointed when he went off. Um but if that's the case then fine. But according to Dean Smith's know. interview, uh, post match interview yet, um and uh, no reason not to believe old Dino unless he's talking about an injury. Uh, then we don't believe him. But uh, otherwise he's pretty on the money normally. Yeah, yeah. he said that Buendia was finished and had asked to come off. But I think I think we spoke on the when we did our Dean Smith special a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, Dan said, you know, that, that, that it feels like like Smith is becoming a you know a bit of a pragmatist, um, and I certainly got that that feeling yesterday. Um, it was all very kind of, you know, let's try and guard against the the worst case scenario rather than try and affect the game ourselves and and. Um, you know, I, I like to see different things happen. You know, put putting an extra forward player on, or 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 someone rather than a Nakamba, put Sanson in there to to keep hold of the ball. I don't know. I'm not a football manager, but these kind of things annoy me. And when you get a slap in the face like that, it, it makes it even worse. Um, really. Um, but there we go. I mean, obviously, um, you know, maybe maybe. Matty Target has been manscaping a little bit too much, Craig, and uh, and and that ball hit him, and the the aerodynamism, <laughs> easy for me to say, took it past uh, Martinez. We did talk about this this last week, and one thing we haven't really discussed on on the podcast now that you mention it, Andy, is arse hair. <laughs> we've talked about ball hair, we've talked about pubic hair, we've talked about chest hair, and uh, we may have talked about back hair. We've definitely talked about nose hair, but I'm not sure we've talked about arse hair. Now, some of the men listening will have particularly hairy asses. I can personally tell you I've never seen Matt Target's backside, so I cannot speak to how hairy it is or is not. He doesn't seem like a particularly hairy man, but you never know. Sometimes there are surprises lurking underneath in the darkness. So um Maybe if he did have does have a very smooth backside, that helped it bounce into the goal. But maybe if he was a bit furrier, <laughs> uh, a bit more like uh, Sanson. Sanson looks like a furry kind of guy. Um, maybe it wouldn't have bounced into the goal. Which brings us to Manscaped.com. Ladies and gentlemen, you may have hairy backsides. You may find that hair sprouting from your anal region is... Discomfortable or uncomfortable even, (laughs) what might be the real word. It might cause you discomfort. It might cause you embarrassment. If you would like to get rid of hair sprouting from your iron booty, then use the Manscaped (laughs) Hair Trimmer 4.0, which will remove the hair And it won't cut you in the process. And you know why? Because it has a ceramic blade, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it does. So any hair that you have in your backside. Now, before you do this, I would recommend washing thoroughly because although the blade blade is ceramic and easy to wash, 
you know, you don't want to be getting things in there and then using it in other areas because that's how infections happen. So make sure that you have a good bath, good shower, wash your crack, and then after that, you can get in there with the Manscaped 4.0 uh, 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 lawnmower, and it's going to get rid of those weedy backside hair. And also, think about afterwards, when you go to the toilet, you go do a number two, you have a big poo, a bit like uh, Aston Villa did all over oh, my God. weekend. Rather than getting little pieces of feces stuck in their hair and your backside, it will just go smoothly into the toilet and out to sea where the fishes can eat it and then we can later eat oh, them God. in the circle <laughs> in the circle of life, ladies and gentlemen. But anyway, make sure if you want to shave your ass like Matt Target may or may not, that you get 20% off and free shipping with our promo code LAMP. That's 20% off and free shipping with our promo code LAMP. And visit www.manscape.com for all your hair shaving needs. I'm literally in tears now after that. I'm like, it doesn't matter what happens at the weekend. If I have to come on here and listen to five minutes of Craig talking about ass hair, I'm, I'm fine. We can win, lose, or draw. It's fine by me. <laughs> It's 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 the content that people who don't listen to this podcast don't know they're missing. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you're listening to the first time, welcome along. This is what you can expect <laughs> going forward. <laughs> we don't hold back on here. We don't hold back on the back sack and crack. No, no. I'll tell you what, you've, you, that's gold. That's absolute gold. gold. You should record that. Copyright it quickly. Um, <laughs> It's all right. All the large checks I'm getting from Manscaped, they, they're welcome to it. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, okay, well, the, I mean, the aftermath of the game, it's been a bit of a bloodbath on Twitter um, since the match. Um, it's brought more question marks against Dean Smith. We discussed a little bit about that. You know, whether... This is just one of those football anomalies that we all we all love and hate at the same time, or whether this is a sign of, of deeper problems for Villa. Um, you know, after the after the Man United game, um, we were saying you know we were probably at that stage we were on par for the season, um, and things have certainly sort of taken a dive in the last two games. Uh, the team have, have missed a couple of birdie putts in the last two matches. Um, and now the season is resembling a giant bogey. Um, two weeks ago, we were we were back waxing lyri lyrical about Dean Smith and uh, the successful three years in charge of Villa. But where do you stand now? And and, and are the signs of of, of cracks cracking? <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. I'm guessing there, Andy. I mean, your your golfing analogy is kind of fitting. Actually, I'm just fitting because Dino more than any other manager I think I've seen relies on his caddies more than more than anyone else does. And by caddies, I mean his coaching staff. We've we've often seen coaching by committee on the sidelines at Villa Park and beyond. And and I think we've we've waxed lyrical about Dino. We've also waxed lyrical about Austin McPhee previously and and how he's improved our our attacking output from set pieces. But do you know it was a horror show defensively from set pieces this weekend? And I think that's something he was brought in to fix. I also think we can't overlook the absence of, of trusted lieutenants and the fact that John Terry and Richard O'Kelly are gone. And I think I don't think we lose that game with those two on the coaching staff. I just don't think we do. I, I don't know where that's coming from. No logical explanation. I just don't think we do. But 
You know, I'll, I'll back Dino to the hilt, but I think he had a shocker this weekend, as the players had a shocker, and I think it showed all the weak points of Dean Smith's management, which we saw... You know, we saw in the first season in the Premier League is we we scored a bunch, but we gave away a bunch as well. And I think the first season back in the Premier League, we gave away more points from winning positions than any other side. And it almost sent us down. And I think we're seeing that bad side to Dean Smith's management. But but you know what? Tough results make good managers. And I think the very best managers, you don't see it when the team's on top, when they're winning week in, week out. You see what happens when they lose a game. And I think this is a real test for Dean Smith's management now and could be a real turning point in, in terms of his career at Aston Villa I think if we don't see a reaction to this and we don't see us going in the right direction the, the bed sheets could come out of Villa Park well the bed sheets will be coming out after that manscaped I'll tell you <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. Um, do you know what if if Dean Smith was under pressure which he isn't so you know this is kind of a hypothetical um, but you know why not we're here let's talk about it if Dean Smith was under pressure and we did that is in Aston Villa with two nil up ten minutes ago and lost the game three two. That is the kind of performance within the context of a manager being under pressure that will get a manager sacked. Now, don't get my words twisted here. I'm not saying that Dean Smith should be sacked for that result. I'm saying that is the type of performance that will get a manager who's on the edge and push them into the the, the precipice, push them over the precipice, should I say, into the abyss. So. That the manner of that defeat is so upsetting and so jarring and so so violent, actually, that there's no wonder that you're going to have an equal and opposite reaction on on Twitter. Um, I asked two weeks ago, "Hey, everyone, can we calm down and not ask for Dean Smith to be sacked every time we lose a game because we're going to lose games?" But none of us expect or accept, for that matter, losing games in that fashion. So while, again, I don't agree with the Smith out stuff and I don't condone the Smith out stuff, I understand the anger on this occasion and I feel like it is just that. It's the bubbling up of anger. People are furious. People do not expect to lose games like that to your local rival at home in that kind of fashion when you're absolutely cruising. And again, it's not like Wolves have pulled some sort of sorcery on us where they've just scored three world-class goals. You kind of say, ah, you know what? We were just beaten by some absolute wizardry there. There's, there's not a lot we could do. We conceded three schoolyard goals. So I think the same thing is true as is always true. If we look at, if we try and look at the wider context, which we always try to do on this podcast, um, bizarre performances are what all of us kind of predicted up until Christmas. Maybe not nothing this bizarre, so it would be hypocritical of me to complain too much because I did expect Villa to be a bit of a basket case up until Christmas, up until such time as the new coaches and new players have had time to, time to settle in. Still, Leon Bailey's yet to start a game for Aston Villa. Still, Bertrand Traore, one of our most important players last season, is yet to start a game for Aston Villa. Still, uh, we had the Louise Argentina uh, Martinez nonsense going on again. So there are lots of mitigating factors, but that doesn't excuse that performance. But overall, it's still Dean Smith in. But the, if he were to lose at Arsenal and then all of a sudden you've lost three games in the spin, then pressure does start to mount. Again, it's not sackable, but that's just Premier League football. Any time you have a manager who loses games, the glare will be on you. At the moment, last week it was on Bruce. 
This week it's going to be on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because of the terrible, terrible job he's doing. And if Dino loses to Arsenal on Friday, you can expect some attempt, some, some heat to follow him because that is just the nature of the business. Um, but having said all that, Smith, in Smith we trust. And um, I just would like, we would all like for him to get his best 11 on the pitch because we are still yet to see that in season 2001 2020 2001 <laughs> 2021 2022 yeah i think i think what you say there's interesting actually craig about the um the you know put, put, if you just shift the context of, of the defeat you know to to a manager who is under pressure i also think that that's the kind of defeat which can derail a team as well though it can start it can kick off that process of of decay and of 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 kind of um a difficult run, you know that that that. I watched the the interview with Mings uh, earlier on the website, and you know he just looked shaken. He looked he looked really haunted by it, which is unusual for Mings. Um, he's usually quite laid back and, um, and and pragmatic about things, but you know he he just didn't really know it. It, it really t- taken him um, by surprise, and I think you know it, it becomes a confidence issue then. You know, if you're if you're two 0 up at home and cruising and you can't win, you know that's that's a real that's a real that takes some getting over. I think as a, I would imagine as a professional footballer. Now I'm sure Dean Smith and 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 Shakespeare etc. will be on the training ground this week. You know, drumming it into the players that that it was a one off. You know, and and these things can happen in football, and it has happened and. You know, we, 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 as to use another Steve Bruceism, we, we pick ourselves up and dust ourselves off, you know, and, uh, we, we go again, <laughs> you know, well, but, that, uh, but these are the sort of things that this is the mentality that, yeah, I, that Smith will be drumming in. I, I do agree, but I'm going to use the most comparable result that I can think of in an Aston Villa context is the Sheffield United result, which, which went our way. Sheffield United and Chrissy Wilder were able to take that defeat to Aston Villa where they snatched just as we did they were able to snatch uh, uh, um, defeat from the jaws of victory uh, Sheffield United's and, and and Chris Wilder were able to take that and turn it into a fuel to power them to automatic promotion they didn't have they scarcely dropped another point for the rest of that season and they powered home comfortably uh, to take one of the automatic promotion slots that turned out to be a wake up call I think for Chris Wilder and he said you know, I think he, you know, the way he, he couched it in terms that, uh, that that were along the lines of, yeah, we thought we were better than we are. We're going to have a long, hard look at ourselves and we're going to think again and we're going to come back stronger. That's what Villa need to do. But if it goes the other way, Andy, then yeah, people, historians and us, we will look back. We will look back on this result as the turning point. This will be where we we, we label and identify it was that game against Wolves that's where it all started to go wrong as um and I you know I, I'm not going to compare the two the two teams in the two areas at all but the you know I'll I'll take take us back to the um the Leicester game a few years ago when we were 2-0 up against against Leicester at um I nearly said Filbert Street <laughs> the Walker Stadium whatever it's called <laughs> and um and we and we lost we lost that game you know late on as well and Obviously, what happened then? Leicester went on to win the league, and Villa got relegated. But you know, I'm not, I'm not expecting any kind of anything dramatic like that from this. But 
just you know the, these things just as winning runs can can you know create momentum so can losing runs and Dean Smith as we spoke about before at Warsaw and at Brentford and at Villa in his first year you know he can get on bad runs you know it happens to him it's happened on more than one occasion to him in his managerial career really bad runs not just two or three games we're talking 10 12 games you know and and you know i think we're too good for that personally i think i think the players are too good anyway and we have got got players returning but this uh, this was a bit of a warning sign for me um the, the 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 common term at the moment is red flag and i think this felt like a bit of a red flag for me um i don't know what you think i'd agree and kind of what worries me more is not that I'm not confident we'll come out of it, but I don't see the characters that bring us out of it. I mean, we've all kind of alluded to it, and, and I've mentioned coaching staff before, but this is really where the coaching staff earn their money. And I'd maybe be giving O'Kelly or, or JT a call and just inviting them in for a day and seeing if they fancy, you know, coming in, giving the players a rocket up them and, and just something to wake them up, because I think we'd have had the characters on the training ground to do that last year. And, and whilst I have no doubt that the Bard will do that, and, and I don't know much about the new guys, but it, it, there's nothing wrong with an old-fashioned bit of teacups at walls this week or or even someone else to play good cop to the bad cop. But I think this is really the coaching staff's time to earn their money, kind of tactics aside, it's the human nature of the game now. Because I'm going to be nervous next time we're 2-0 up with 10 minutes to go, I'll be honest, and, and, and I'm not on the pitch, so you can bet the players will be too. You just have to hope that a week training all together, no international breaks, hopefully Leon Bailey's back, hopefully Bertrand Traore's back, is going to be enough to push us along. You would think that um, you would think there'll be a change of system. You would think that there should be a changes in personnel. If you can't drop players after that, you never can drop players. You know, if we see Twanzebi and, and even Watkins starting, um, then... I will have serious questions to to ask at uh, kind of uh, on, on Friday Friday evening. I'll be like, "Really? You can do that and not get dropped?" That would be a sign that things may be awry. But we do have a nice record against Arsenal, and hopefully, we can continue that. Yeah, absolutely, and it will be uh, Friday night lights um, for Villa next as uh, Dean Smith takes his team back to North London. To face Arsenal, uh, Mikel Arteta's side have, have rallied after an awful start to the season and, and will probably fancy themselves to pile more misery on Villa in the capital. Once again, Villa will await news on the lesser-spotted Leon Bailey, who has joined our Poppadom list and uh, appears to have contracted Grealishitis <laughs> since, uh, since joining the club. It feels difficult to be too positive about this one after after the weekend but one thing we we know about smith um is he often pulls a result out when he really needs one um what are you hoping for um in terms of the the team selection and the setup this friday well i think we're all praying and hoping and waiting with bated breath yeah you say you know uh, papa dom leon as we can maybe point <laughs> him um we're waiting to see him start I think we can already say, even though it's Sunday the week before, there's no chance of him starting. If he wasn't fit enough to be even be on the bench against uh, uh, Wolves, 
it's highly unlikely he's going to be ready to start a Premier League game six days later. So at best, you're hoping for Leon Bailey on the bench. We haven't really had any kind of update as to the length of time that Traore um, is, um, is, is going to be on the sidelines. But again, he hasn't started a game for Villa, so it's unlikely he would be able to start. But I think that's what we need. I think we need a maverick. I think we need a... Uh, uh, we, need, we need a hero. <laughs> We're holding up for the hero. There we are. Um, so I'm going to try and get a song in every week. Uh, and uh, is that, what's that from Footloose? No, that's, no, that's not from Footloose at all. Anyway, who's that? Bonnie? <laughs> and it doesn't matter who it is. So the point is... That we are, we're looking for a hero. I think that in, in in the dark moments, you do need a shining knight in armor to step forward and someone who's going to really, someone who's kind of unaffected by the jitters. Someone who is Leon Bailey is going to get on the ball and dribble even when he's next to his corner flag as he did, I think, against uh, uh, Alonso again in the Chelsea game. Even if you're 3-0 down, you know, he nutmegged him by Villa's own corner flag. Bertrand Traore, we know, is not affected by any kind of laws of gravity, physics, or logic. He just does his own kind of beautiful thing. Um, so we could do with a player like that to really to really give us the impetus. Danny Ings isn't that player. Ollie Watkins isn't that player. Um, nor, nor, nor are others. So I think we definitely need a flair player. I'd love to see uh, Buendia in his natural right side position. I'd love to see a return to 4-3-3 if we can. But having said all that, if he does need to stick to the three-five-two because of personnel issues, we have to see, we have to see Horse in for Twanzebi, and I would imagine maybe Archer, dare I say, in for Ollie Watkins. Because Archer's hot. When you're hot, you're hot. It's true. I can't argue so. with that. I, I, for me, it's got to go back to the back four. Now's the time. I'm, I'm joining Andy's 3-5 boo bus. I'm, I'm over it. I don't want to see it anymore. But I just want to see that back four reunited. And I, I think, like Craig, maybe 4-3-3. Three, three. I think Samson's got to find a place into that midfield. I think we need someone like him who can get on the ball. And he's not got a mention this week, but Craig's uh, beautiful baby boy maybe deserves a look in too. He's he's not seen the minutes. Maybe it's time to get him. Or Trez is on his way back. I mean, throw him in at the deep end <laughs> after six months out or whatever it's been. But changes, that's all I want to see is changes. I think after a performance like that, if I see the same team sheet, I'm going to scratch my head. And win, lose or draw, I want to see a performance from a bunch of players who look like they know what went down last weekend and that it wasn't acceptable in any way, shape or form. Um, the one good thing I think going against going for us is I think Smith has got Arteta's number. So uh, watch us now lose this one comfortably. But no, I, I fancy us to get something. I just don't know if it'll be a win. Yeah, I think uh, changes is is definitely needed. Three or four, maybe. Um, I'd, I'd be bringing Sanson in. I'd, I'd, again, I'd go for the four three three or, or sort of four two three one. Maybe back four, a lot will depend on, on Matty Cash and whether he's, um, how bad his knock is. Um, I mean, obviously Ashley Young can come in for him, perhaps at right back or, or, or whatever. Um, and then Sanson and, and Dougie with McGinn pushed on, Buendia on the right. I'd, I'd, I'd stick with the Danny Ings up front. And then I'm not sure about the left, maybe. Maybe El Ghazi coming back in on the left. Well, if I was El Ghazi at this point, I, I think I'd be, I'd be, 
I'd be a little bit miffed. I'd be like, the, the team's stinking up the place. I'm your second top goal scorer from last season. I think I'm still the joint top goal scorer in the league this season. And I haven't been seen for two months. <laughs> give me give me a game, Dino. Come on. Yeah, but I, I'm also um, on board with, with Archer. And um, I think, you know, there's no one... There's no one keeping him out the side at the moment. I don't see who's keeping him out the side. I know we've got we've got two thirty million pound strikers, but neither of them look like that. And Danny scored scored his goal. Fair enough. It was that and his other chance were about the only two two touches he had. So um, for me, I wouldn't bring Archer in necessarily to play up front on his own, but I'd, I'd I'd certainly you know maybe bring him into the front three and play him play him off off one of the flanks and. Uh, you know, and see see what he can do, and see if he can unsettle Arsenal, and maybe he offers something something different. Sometimes that hero is someone that you don't you don't necessarily expect, and you know, um, someone that just comes in out of nowhere. So marvelous, Nakamba <laughs> uh, <laughs> on the left wing, bold. For <laughs> let's do it. Bold. Yeah. I, well, I, no one's expecting yeah. it. <laughs> I want I want Sanson to be. To be, I do want Sanson to play. I've, I've already spoken of my Sanson love, but I want him to be protected a little bit better. I think he wasn't ready to start that game against Chelsea in the Cup and he paid the price for it. So I'd much rather us do a softly, softly, slowly, slowly, 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there. I just don't want him to break down again because it's um, it's clear it's getting to him. You know, he was in tears after the the, 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 the setback against Chelsea. So... I think we need to be extra cautious with him, extra cautious with Papa Dom Leon. And, um, and Bertie seems to be picking up knocks left, right and centre as well. So we, we, we need to, um, you know, the, the players on the pitch need to be healthy and we have to, we have to protect and we have to do a better job as a club, I think, of protecting some of the players. I think we, we, we've, we have been rushing people back. And um, that's the other thing about Watkins. We mentioned last week about him not being on the grass for England training. Maybe this is why he's not up to snuff. He's uh, maybe he's carrying an injury. Let's not forget about the young lads too. I mean, we've got so many good young players pushing for a space. I mean, we the under twenty one scored so many the other week. You needed an abacus to keep track or something. We were just banging them in for fun, and, and we got players who played preseason minutes too. Let's let's give them a chance. I mean, if he's going to throw Jacob Ramsey on in a derby with a few minutes to go, let's throw. Philogene Pedasin, let's so counting. Let's, let's let's give them a chance. Let them show us what we got. Don't just let them sit on the bench and rot away. Let's let's throw them in. See what happens. Yeah, I think I think the time is coming for uh, for certain changes, changes like that. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But guys, quick score prediction for Friday. It's hard to predict a win after that. After I'm I'm still hurt. I'm still wounded from yesterday. One uh, one. I'm going to be more positive. I'm going to go one nil Villa, but um, but you know, it's it's my heart over my head saying that. Um, we are their bogey team of late, um, and I think I think there will be a reaction definitely. But I don't see us winning. I th- I'm going to go for a. I'm going to go for a two two. I was going to go for one one, but Craig nicked it off. <laughs> um, <laughs> As you so often you, you next week you can predict first, Andy, because you keep saying I'm stealing your scores. I don't know what your scores are. You go first next time. <laughs> I'm not having this. <laughs> I'm just a good host. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I do say um too much apparently. But 
Guys, is, thanks for thanks for joining. You don't me. say it like. Can you say um like Jamie Carragher just for the listeners? Um, before no, I'm not doing I'm not doing accents. I refuse. <laughs> Daniel <laughs> I what, did it there. Daniel squeezed yeah, it in. Yeah, mine's terrible. It's. I, I do an, I do a Brummie accent and that's <laughs> a, a Jamie Carri- a, a Jamie Carragher um can 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 really wind me up <laughs> when I when I watch his Sky coverage. But anyway, I don't. Uh, you digress. Yeah. Thank you for listening, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks, Craig, for doing my outro. Um, <laughs> if you want to follow us on uh, on the socials, head over to Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, uh, and give us a follow. Or head over to the, the website, underagaslitlamp.com, for all the latest articles about the first team, the academy, and the Villa women who have started the season well. Um, other than that, if you like your the idea of the Manscaped that Craig was talking about earlier, then head over to manscaped.com for 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code LAMP. And other than that, if you're going to Arsenal, have an excellent Friday night and... We'll be back next week um, to for the fallout from that one. All the best. Stay safe and up the villa. <laughs>